What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, world? Welcome on and all to another episode of The Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. My name is RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from right here as your humble host on The Ocho. It is Monday, September 28th, 2020. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and I bet that you are pretty pissed off because the Dallas Cowboys lost on Sunday. It is our official Cowboys postgame episode of the Ocho here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. The Dallas Cowboys falling to the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson cooked. So did Dak Prescott. A lot to take away 38 to 31 the final score. So we say it at the top. The season certainly not over. The Dallas Cowboys in second place in the NFC East. Just like the rest of the division, they did not win their game in week two. The Washington football team lost to the Cleveland Browns, who the Dallas Cowboys will host themselves in week four. The New York Giants got, uh, well, they, they played a game. That's that's the kindest thing I can say. They lost rather handily to the San Francisco 49ers, who the Philadelphia Eagles will visit, by the way, in week four. And the aforementioned Eagles, well, they uh, they tied with the Cincinnati Bengals. So they are 0-2-1. Washington 1-2, Dallas 1-2, Philly 0-2-1, New York 0-3. And, and by the way, Washington hosts the Baltimore Ravens next week in week four. So I think you can assume a loss there. Of course, we don't know what the Ravens have done this week yet because they play the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night football. But let's talk about what happened on Sunday afternoon. Again, the Dallas Cowboys losing 38 to 31 to the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, look, this is not surprising. We all understood that this was uh, not only possible, but some would argue likely that the Cowboys could or should lose to the Seahawks. Again, Russell Wilson playing like the league's most valuable player on this young season, and he was great. Russell Wilson, 27 of 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns for Russell Wilson. Uh, again, cooked up quite the meal there in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And honestly, I, I thought for a, a large part of this game obviously not all of it Dak Prescott outplayed him I really do feel that way Dak Prescott finishing the game 37 of 57 for 472 yards three passing touchdowns two interceptions the one at the end obviously doesn't totally count had a fumble go against him as well Dak Prescott goes over 450 yards in the second straight game only Jameis Winston has ever done that Dak Prescott the first player in Dallas Cowboys franchise history to have back-to-back games with over 400 passing yards and it was Dak Prescott's sixth game of of his career with over 400 passing yards, establishing him as having the most in Dallas Cowboys franchise history, breaking the tie that he held with Tony Romo for just one week because he did it last week himself. This was the Cedric Wilson game. All right. This was, you know, th- there's been a large Cedric Wilson hive for a long time. You know, the Cowboys drafted both Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson in 2018. And since then, a lot of people have been camping out waiting for this day to ultimately come. And who would have thought that the first and second uh, touchdowns 
caught by a wide receiver for the Cowboys in 2020 would belong to Cedric Wilson, finishing the day five catches, 107 yards, the two touchdowns. Michael Gallup did catch the other touchdown, a beautiful dime from Dak Prescott, led the Cowboys in receiving on the day, 138 receiving yards. I thought in the passing game, the Cowboys, um, well, they got to the party too late. I think that's part of it. Uh, And the Cowboys, for whatever reason, you know, finally are starting to listen to people and you, you know, starting to utilize Ezekiel in the screen game, but you don't have to do that all the time. And that's what the Cowboys were doing. That I think is where they aired. That is where, if you're asking how can they be better, Ezekiel Elliott was tied for the lead in targets on the Cowboys in this game. And I know that doesn't tell you the whole story, but both Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott had 12 targets in this game. Amari Cooper caught nine of them. Ezekiel Elliott caught six. There was a string of three drops in a row from Zeke Elliott on two different drives. And look, I said it, you know, we talked about it here on the show. I know a lot of us talked about it on Twitter. Zeke Elliott looked fantastic in the Cowboys week one game against the Rams. Just from a how he was running standpoint, right? There's no data there. Um, Early on in week two, Zeke did not look great. Had the fumble, obviously, against the Falcons, but then kind of rebounded, certainly. This, This was... Not a great performance from Ezekiel Elliott. I write five winners and five losers from every Cowboys game over at blogontheboys.com. Zeke Elliott was one of my losers. Uh, one of the other losers was Tony Pollard. I, I just, we've talked about this as well here on the network. I know I've talked about it on the show. I've talked about it on Twitter. Tony Pollard is not great at returning kickoffs for the Cowboys. And I do believe that this cost them. I know that there were a lot of things that went wrong for the Cowboys. Uh, but let, let's kind of start. Let's go in order. Um, you know, because the Tony Pollard thing happened early on. Um, Dak Prescott started off kind of with the keys, right? I mean, the Cowboys let him pass, 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 pass. The first, you know, series of the game, first possession of the game for the Cowboys looks great. In fact, the Cowboys won the toss, deferred. Russell Wilson went three and out, and Alden Smith looked great. Alden was one of my winners, by the way. And then the Cowboys get the ball, and they're just letting Dak throw, letting Dak throw. No first down runs, no first down runs. And it was awesome. It was truly great. And the Cowboys had to settle for a field goal there, which was a bit of a bummer, but, you know, at least gave me a feeling of, okay, this offense is going to be able to have success today against the Seahawks and so that happens but then oh my gosh Seattle kicks off to Tony Pollard shortly after and and Tony Pollard again we talked about this I know that Tony and I talked about on the 750 last week Tony Pollard does not need to be returning kickoffs that go halfway into the end zone, okay? But he returns this kickoff, and he stumbles. He kind of trips over himself and kind of falls and lands right outside of the end zone, as we all saw, and just barely recovers the ball right inside, basically, the Cowboys' own one-yard line. And this was very not good for the Cowboys, who were already at that point trailing 7-3, to thanks to Russell Wilson. And... That, you know, set the Cowboys up with not only bad field position, but dangerous field position. And lo and behold, the Seahawks were able to capitalize and, you know, net a safety out of it. So right there, that was two points that Tony Pollard was responsible for giving to the Seattle Seahawks. Negative two points that are associated with Tony Pollard. He is not great at this kickoff situation. I don't know what the issue is there. I I truly don't. Because after this, Tony Pollard, just let it go. Let him go. Let him go. And if you're going to let him go, that's fine. Then Tony Pollard can obviously go back through and be the guy that waves off, you know, the fair catch signal but if if you're going to try to do this let cd lamb do it let cedric wilson do it let jordan lewis do it because there's there's something happening here that is is not connecting and tony pollard is hurting the cowboys by either giving them poor field position or setting them up to take a safety like they did in this particular game what's more is things you know really did not go great for the cowboys um you know it, it felt like that at least it felt like the sky was falling joe looney left for a bit tyler biotish got into the game and that would set up obviously tyler re-entering the game later uh, but um, after that, you know, 
Greg Zerline misses an extra point. And this, you know, now you're talking about this game got tied at nine because the nine to three lead all of a sudden turned into nine to nine. Um, and you're missing three points right there, right? Because you've given Seattle two points and you've missed an extra point. Greg Zerline would go on to miss a second extra point. It was a little bit blocked though. So that one's not totally on Greg, but right there, I mean, we're, we're so early in this game and we can point to four points that special teams was responsible for giving away to the Seattle Seahawks. And that, that's that's how you lose games. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of ways to lose, obviously, in the National Football League. But if you're giving away four points to a team that is led by a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who very well could win MVP at the end of this year. I mean, the guy threw for five touchdowns. You don't need to be giving him four points. This game was ultimately decided by seven. And, you know, think about it. The Cowboys were driving late in the game down by seven. And if they have those four points, I know they don't have four, but if Seattle has two less and they have two more, I mean, all of a sudden you're talking about something different. And I want to get to this later because I think that this dramatically, you know, I'll, well, now we'll, go to, we'll get to this later. I think this dramatically impacted the residual effect for the Cowboys. I wrote about this in my Winners and Losers if you want to read a written version of my argument. But let's move on. Um, also in the first quarter, DK Metcalf, who a lot of draft Twitter hated, obviously has been great. That story's been told. Uh, absolutely burned Trayvon Diggs. Let's let's be honest. Let's be fair. Absolutely burn Trayvon Diggs. That's going to happen. That's okay. Trayvon's a rookie. That's almost to be expected to some capacity. I mean, you know, Trayvon has, has had a hard two weeks in terms of guarding the Falcons receivers and now um, DK Metcalf, but Trayvon gets burned and then makes an all-time heads-up play. Trayvon chases down DK Metcalf, peanut Tillman punches the ball loose. It goes out the back of the end zone or the front of the end zone from DK's perspective, which is a touchback. One of the worst rules in the NFL, honestly, one the Cowboys have benefited from. You certainly think back to 2017 in Oakland when Derek Carr fumbled off the Jeff Heath play uh, and that won the game for the Cowboys. But this this was great. I mean, so you can talk about points lost here, points lost there, and those should have been seven more points for the Seahawks anyway if DK Metcalf is a little bit more heads up. But um, that's neither here nor there. Great play by Trayvon Diggs he was a winner for me at least that particular play I know he got beat you know at different times but I, I think ultimately Trayvon Diggs and, and there's a lot of injuries going on here right I mean Chidabe Wuze is on injured reserve Anthony Brown's on injured reserve Jordan Lewis missed the first game I don't think there's any question that that Jordan excuse me that Trayvon Diggs is the best secondary player on the Cowboys I'm curious if you disagree if you do disagree I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram at Argio Ochoa I believe that the best secondary player on the Dallas Cowboys through three games this season is Trayvon Diggs and if he's the best secondary player the best defensive lineman I know I said last week that it was maybe Tristan Hill I've changed my thought process there I do think Tristan is certainly playing well and I thought he played well here he had the costly roughing the passer penalty on the first two-point conversion attempt from the Seahawks but I mean you know Ultimately, I think Tristan Hill's playing well, and ultimately, I really think Tristan Hill is validating why the Cowboys took him in the second round last year, and, and that's what matters most. But Alden Smith, Alden Smith had three sacks against Russell Wilson, had three sacks against Russell Wilson, and I mean, just was amazing. Alden Smith has four sacks on the season. His four sacks. Antoine Woods got a sack in this game. Do you know who else has a sack on the Dallas Cowboys? Like, I'm talking the whole season. Everson Griffin has the sack that he got last week against Matt Ryan. So if you, you know, if you look at the whole sack group, Everson Griffin has one sack, and we're talking the whole season, and it's only three games. Everson Griffin has one sack, Antoine Woods has one sack, and Alden Smith has four sacks by himself. And I know we're in week three, but by himself, Alden Smith has twice as many sacks as the entire rest of the Cowboys defense combined. 
and he hasn't played football before the last couple of weeks in five years. That says, I think, a lot of things. Number one, it, it speaks to the natural talents of Alden Smith and the way he's been coached up and everything. And it also kind of speaks to the other players on the Cowboys defense. I know that a lot of criticism is thrown to Marcus Lawrence's way, and I know a lot of people expect a lot of sacks out of him. You know, that that's just that's that's the way it is. I mean, when you get paid, the expectation is there. And I don't think Demarcus Lawrence is trash like Twitter does, but it's it's hard to it's hard to come back on Twitter with that, right? I mean, especially when Alden Smith is producing. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Getting back kind of to the timeline of this game in the second quarter, Joe Looney re-entered the game. So Tyler Biotish left. Zerline has the extra point blocked. All sorts of questionable penalties. And and I don't want to play that game. I'm never the guy that that thinks that the game is fixed or whatever. That's that's never been my mo. Uh, but you know, overall. You know, some some of these penalties were fair. Jordan Lewis had a bad day, really struggled. Like I said, the whole secondary was really bad for most of the game, except for the real hustle play from Trayvon Diggs. But Jordan Lewis had some penalties, had a penalty that, that wiped out a Daryl Worley interception. Daryl Worley had a penalty himself that wiped out a Jordan Lewis sack. Brandon Carr had a penalty. Um, I think that was the first time that people kind of heard Carr's name in the middle of a game since his return to the Cowboys. Uh, man, I mean, just, just really bad. And, you know, the Cowboys got the ball near the end of the first half. And I really thought, and I tweeted about this, and obviously took an L here. I thought that Dak Prescott was going to lead him on on a drive to score because we have seen we have seen that the Cowboys' offense moves and grooves best in two-minute drills, in two-minute fashions when they are up tempo, hustling, getting the line of scrimmage, no huddle. We we've seen that be the best version of the offense. But Dak Prescott threw an awful interception, and the Seahawks were able to get a touchdown out of it, and that really kind of changed things. And man, the, like basically right when the second half started, the Cowboys get the ball. And just Dak Prescott coughs, coughs it up. I mean, has a fumble that really goes the wrong way. And at that point, that that felt like the first quarter of the Falcons game. It felt like this game was really out of hand, really not going to be able to something the Cowboys could kind of scratch and claw and fight their way back in and, and, and sort of net an onside kick or whatever. Uh, but they did. I mean, to the Cowboys' credit, they, they really did. Michael Gallup finally got involved. Cedric Wilson, as mentioned, uh, kind of took off um, and, and really just kind of made himself uh, – a, a part of the offense. I mean, there's no real other way to put this. Um, and, and, you know, Michael Gallup had, by the way, an insane catch, a kind of circus catch, looked a lot like Jermaine Curse's um, catch that he had for the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49 there before the Malcolm Butler interception just tipped all over Trey Flowers, ends up in Michael Gallup's hand. Um, the Cowboys ultimately have to settle for a field goal uh, to, um, you know, put themselves up on the Seahawks 31-30 to 30 at the time uh, near the end of the game. Russell Wilson engineers a drive hits DK Metcalf for a touchdown you know not a whole lot of time left the only good thing about that drive for the Seahawks their last offensive drive was that they scored very quickly um, and it was third down and it looked like the Cowboys were going to hold the Seahawks to a field goal and had they done that I mean we saw the Cowboys get into field goal range themselves uh, but they didn't like I said Russell finds DK for his fifth touchdown of the day the Seahawks successfully convert the two-point conversion after the Tristan Hill penalty so it's 38-31 as you know the Cowboys drive Dak Prescott I thought made an incredible play just to get that final pass off that interception uh, but I mean and ultimately, the ball was intercepted, and that's all people are going to want to talk about. I said here, I said it on the Boys and Girl podcast that I was on with Bobby Belt and Kelsey Charles, uh, obviously who you'll hear later today on Girls Talking Boys with Meg Murray. I, I said it in a lot of places as the game was sort of you know getting closer for the Cowboys. This set up to be 
Dak Prescott's Tony Romo Broncos game. I really thought that kind of taking on an established veteran, a guy who's been there, a Super Bowl winner, regarded as, as this sort of amazing quarterback. You know, when the Cowboys played the Broncos in 2013, there was a lot of talk already then that Peyton Manning was on track to win MVP, which he obviously would. And so I, th- I thought the situations kind of mirrored themselves. And I do think that this game really kind of finished in similar fashion, played out in similar fashion, ultimately. I mean, you look at it and, you know, the, the interception at the end, not quite Gavin Escobar stepping on Tony Romo, but still, you know, Dak Prescott takes a big lick and manages to get up and fight. I mean, all of his strength and, and just throws a ball up because he has to, gets intercepted and the Cowboys lose. But I mentioned how I think that, you know, Greg Zerline and Tony Pollard costed the Cowboys here. And I know that you, you can play what if a million different ways. And I'm I'm not trying to totally play the what if game, but let's let's assume because those are controllable things, right? You can absolutely control what Tony Pollard aired on, right? You can control not, you know, starting at your own one-yard line off of a kickoff. You can control, to a certain degree, missed extra points. If we assume that Greg Zerland makes his two extra points and that Tony Pollard doesn't have that whoopsie-daisy, those are four points that are no longer, you know, working against the Cowboys, right? The Cowboys have two more points and the Seahawks have two less points. So let's, I want to take it all the way to the Michael Gallup touchdown, which by the way was, like I said, a dime from Dak Prescott, but the Cowboys scored that touchdown early on in the fourth quarter. Okay. Now at the time of the throw, the Cowboys are trailing the Seahawks 30 to 22. So they score this touchdown to Michael Gallup. They go for two. They don't get it themselves. But let's do the math and give them the Zerline extra points and take away the Tony Pollard cost safety. If if that all happens, if everything plays out exactly, all right, at the time of the touchdown, it is not 30 to 22. It's 28 to 24. And so the Cowboys score that touchdown and it's all of a sudden, you know, what, uh, 30 to 28, you know? So there's no real reason um, – to kick that extra point, or excuse me, to go for two, right? I mean, if if it's 28 to, or excuse me, 30 to 28, you kick the extra point. You, you kick the extra point. So now you have 31 points. And the Seahawks, I mean, if, if you assume the Cowboys add another field goal, you have 34 points. I mean, my point here is that the game changes dramatically from a points overall standpoint if these little whoops-a-daisies don't happen. And so the Cowboys just kind of stumbled and fumbled all over themselves and have done so. I mean, special teams, you know, special teams are supposed to really change for the Cowboys this year, right? John Fossil came in. He's one of the best special teams coordinator in the NFL, you know, and, and the only good moment, let alone the fact that it was an amazing moment, but the only good moment that we have seen from the Cowboys on special teams this year has been the watermelon kick. And all the credit in the world, they pulled it off, although with some help from the Atlanta Falcons ineptitude, who, by the way, did it again. How are the Falcons still doing this? But anyway, uh, by the way, if you do hear, want to hear us talk about uh, the NFL on a larger scale, the SB Nation NFL show is a different podcast that we do at SB Nation. You can hear me on there tomorrow, Monday, Football Monday. You can hear myself, Pete Sweeney, Michael Kiss. We react to everything that happened on Sunday. We will, of course, touch on the Cowboys game. We'll touch on the Chicago Bears, incredible comeback, and Nick Foles, and all that fun stuff. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, we're available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to write a rating, re- leave a review. Those things um, you know, or excuse me, write a review, leave a rating. Those things really help. You can shout out the Cowboys, shout out RJ Ochoa, shout out Monday Football Monday. Totally up to you. But anyway, special teams have been a disaster. And it's and it's not even like, you know, the coverage on kickoffs is bad. It, it is literally on a fundamental level 
of Tony Pollard not understanding when and when not to bring out kickoffs. There, there have been studies on this. There, there are. It's, it really doesn't behoove you to bring a kickoff out in general anymore now that the NFL moved the starting field position to the 25-yard line. I mean, so you have to be dynamic to justify returning a kickoff out of the end zone. If it's kicked, you know, if the ball lands at the one-yard line, what are you going to do? You have to return it. But Tony Pollard has just – this This has not gone well for the Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb has, has – I would say has been electric, but he's been he's been fairly good on punt returns, and Cedric Wilson has been fine on punt returns, but that is really, really, really hurting the Cowboys, and there's a lot of just a lot of question as as to what is happening here because this was supposed to be better, and I I I don't know that I put this entire game on Mike McCarthy and everything because it should be said. I mean, the Cowboys have lost two games this year. And the one they lost to Seattle, they lost to the Seahawks. And they lost to Russell Wilson. And I know they let him throw five touchdowns, but he's really good. And and, and so that should be said. Uh, the other game the Cowboys lost was to the Rams, who damn near came back and won after being down 28-3 to on Sunday. Again, shout out to the Falcons. Um, almost pulled that off to the point that they won the game. They did technically come back from it. And, and not only did they almost do that to a winning degree but they almost did it against a really good team in the Buffalo Bills so it should be said that the Cowboys have lost to two really good teams I think two teams we all think will be in the playoffs especially with that third wild card spot granted their division rivals themselves it should be said the Cowboys are dealing with an inordinate number of injuries compared to recent years I know that other teams in the NFL are as well it should be said that they've had to set up everything and begin their operations and you know a hundred percent of the Mike McCarthy era for the Dallas Cowboys has taken in place in a global pandemic and again I realize that's a factor for all teams as well but there are a lot of things that you know it's not just Mike McCarthy sucks and and Kellen Moore sucks and John Fossil sucks and Mike Nolan sucks it's not all that all right there are there are fair things to say on both sides here it's fair to afford them you can call them excuses you can call them um, data points you can call them variables but it's also fair to say that this team should not be this sloppy and that's not entirely on the coaching staff why is Zeke dropping all of these passes I mean why why I mean that's a good question right there why is this pass rush outside of Alden Smith not getting home if there is one unit on the team that we all collectively gassed up in the lead up to the season it was the pass rush man this team signed Everson Griffin they have Demarcus Lawrence if they get something out of Alden Smith, that was the thing, all right? If, if you had asked me, and I can only speak for myself, what the most unlikely thing would have been for the Cowboys three weeks into the season from a pass rush perspective would have been, it would have been Alden Smith. I know that there are people who certainly had their hopes, but those were wild hopes, okay? It was really, I mean, you're talking about a needle in a haystack level of probabilities that Alden Smith was going to return to the NFL after five years and be balling. But lo and behold, that is the case. The Cowboys have found that needle in the haystack. Meanwhile, their other edge rushers and their other pass rush people are not getting the job done. And and that's I, the fact that you're you're netting and you're cashing in on Alden Smith is awesome. And that comeback story is really 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 interesting and really fun to root for. I, I believe that Alden Smith uh, is is on the right track to to doing the right things. We've talked about that a million times. But you cannot not be getting a level of production that matches that or comes close to that from Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin and Tyrone Crawford. Bradley and I got into this game, but that is part of what is really weighing the Cowboys down. And, and Look, the secondary is decimated. I mean, I know it's bad, but what? I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Assign Earl Thomas. I know. I know. I know. I mean, there is legitimate 
football sense to that move that there is i mean and, and it feels like nobody really you know knows on the record or there's no real public information about what the exact full extent of earl thomas's situation is but if you're asking me in a vacuum could the Cowboys use the services of Earl Thomas? Duh, but that was true the moment that Baltimore released him. There's obviously a reason, and I mean, the fact that the Cowboys are struggling as much as they are in the back end and they still aren't going down that route really says a lot, I think, but th- there are injuries, there are a lot of things happening, and that explains partly why the Cowboys are 1-2, and two, but it doesn't explain why the mistakes that we have seen have been made, and, and that is that is what it, the most troubling thing to me is. Um, it, it Again, why you throw into Zeke? Why, why you? Why you have, dude? Your wide receivers are Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and Ceedee Lamb, and you got Cedric Wilson to ball out today, and you're still insisting on throwing the ball to Zeke twelve times. Why? And I know some of that is inflated by the the last drive and and the dump offs and things like that, but still, why? Why? Zeke is awesome, but it's 2020. What are you wasting the time for? Your quarterback has thrown for 400 yards in back-to-back games, and you barely won one of them. And it took the team that lost it being the Atlanta Falcons. Think about that. That's nuts. I mean, it really, truly, and totally is nuts. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, that's a lot of what I have to say. I want to get to your tweets. We always tweet out that we're going to be doing this. We're going to be uh, recording our postgame episode. So I asked in my tweet, what is your top concern after Sunday's loss to the Seahawks? Let's begin. Um, FK Kenneth on Twitter at FrankieKen28 says, Kellen Moore, team health, safety play. It's three concerns. Also, the talent on this team is significantly overrated, especially on defense. I think it's fair to say they're overrated. I, 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 we, I said we gassed them up. We did. We really did. And I think I, I think we undersold Alden Smith. But we had all the reason in the world, all the logical reason in the world to undersell Alden Smith. But, yeah, I mean, this defense is, is a lot of names right now and not a lot of production. Um, and, I mean, their leading sacker hadn't played football in five years. And, again, that's not the whole story. I want to I stress that, that you can't just look at that. But it is at least a data point that should be considered. Uh, but to the Kellen Moore point, Kenneth, Man, I, I tweeted out a photo during this game. I, I don't know if I've ever said this before on any show. I love the movie Troy. I am obsessed with that movie. That's such an awesome movie. Um, so if you haven't watched it, well, I mean, set aside three hours because it's kind of long. Uh, by the way, Brad Pitt is in that movie. And just a very quick aside, over the weekend for the first time in my life, totally serious here, I watched Fight Club. I get it. 
I get it now. Okay. I, I can't tell you what took so long. I can't explain that to you, but I watched it. It was awesome. I'm, I get all the references now. So congratulations to me. But anyway, um, I, the reason I tweeted out something to do with Troy, it was a Trojan horse and Kellen Moore is kind of the Trojan horse. All right. I mean, being wheeled in to the city, the city of Cowboys fans, Weeks one to three last year, Kellen Moore was a boss. Kellen Moore was a beast. Kellen Moore was a genius. Kellen Moore was awesome. I remember we posted a photo of Kellen Moore's face on the Blog of the Boys Instagram, blogging.the.boys. It was just like a close-up of his face, and, um, and we captioned it the face of a revolution. And it felt that way, right? I mean, and obviously a lot was proven that the Cowboys played New York and Washington and Miami, and those teams all ended up being really bad. Uh, but he has not been the same guy since, and nobody – I mean, shout out to Kenneth here and shout out to a lot of people. Kellen was a really popular answer. But before recent times, nobody wanted to put any any blame on, you know, Kellen Moore. I mean, Kellen, Kellen has been – Kellen has skated by for some blame. And we have to challenge that. Dak Prescott had to play hero ball. Carson Wentz wants to play hero ball, which is why the Eagles are a disaster. But Dak Prescott had to play hero ball and had to will the Cowboys back into this game. And he almost did. He almost won this game by himself, but we have a lot of questions, a lot of us, and and Kellen Moore is 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 the one that's kind of making them possible. So I agree. Michael Barish on Twitter at Barish24 says, special teams, I don't need that drama in my life anymore. Bones seems like a cool guy, but this is too much. Totally agree. I would love to watch Fight Club with Bones. I think he would have some interesting thoughts on it. I would like to ask him some questions and, mm-hmm. and kind of poke his brain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, this looks bad. And I do. I thought that move was awesome. I actually thought that that was one of the maybe the best hire that Mike McCarthy made in the lead up to the season. I like, you know, Jim Tom Sula, but I, I mean, we all know that the Cowboys struggled on special teams last year, and it made sense to be excited about John Fossil. But it also makes sense that Sean McVay, you know, I mean, look, we don't know exactly what happened, but that Sean McVay was able to move on and be just fine. Um, so that is certainly a thing. Andrew Neal on Twitter at Toxic Death says, silly mistakes and penalties without three or four of those plays. If it goes the same way, we win that comfortably. I think that's true, and I think you can play that game both ways oftentimes. I know the Falcons are probably saying, man, if we just did this, if we just did that, you know, whatever. And it's true that you can say that, but it's also true that you can say if DK Metcalf has some more heads-up awareness, the Fal- excuse me, the Seahawks blow out the Cowboys. And that's true, but the- these mistakes, the Tony Pollard thing, the extra points to a degree are controllable errors. I'm going to talk about the Tony Pollard thing until I'm blue in the face because it is not just that one play. It is now a continued pattern of poor decision-making when it comes to kickoff returns, and that is really hurting the Cowboys. I mean, I, I tweeted this out last week after the Falcons game, and I'll do it again tomorrow, but, I mean, Tony Pollard is giving the Cowboys awful field position. Like I said, if you're just taking a knee in the end zone or letting the ball go through, you're giving your team 75 yards to go. But because he's trying to play hero himself, Tony Pollard is making things more difficult for the Cowboys, and on Sunday in Seattle, he made them so difficult that he gave the Seahawks two points as a result of it. Um, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Lots of Kellen Moore answers here. Obviously, Chris Randell on Twitter at Chris Randell, who, by the way, uh, co-led a charge to get a show from us here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network on Saturday nights, Sunday mornings. It's kind of a you know pregame before the game, so I think that's something we're going to do. A heads up that uh, next Saturday night, Sunday morning, we'll have something for you to preview the game, kind of last-second fantasy advice, our picks for the whole NFL. We're still kind of workshopping it, but that will definitely be coming your way, uh, obviously, in a few days here on the feed. But Chris says, my top Top concern is if we don't look for veteran help for our past defense after this game. 
Don't want to overreact. We did just play a close game with a top-ranked team. I think that's really good perspective. Again, Russell Wilson cooked the Cowboys. But guess what? It would be like, you know, if if we all went to a restaurant, you know, a Bobby Flay restaurant. I don't know what the proper terms for this. I watch a lot of cooking shows with my wife, to be fair, and I should know these names. But uh, if we all went to like a five-star, five, what's it, like five-oven Michelin, whatever. Anyway, um, if we all went to like an amazing Bobby Flay restaurant and we walked out and we were like, man – that meal was badass. That wouldn't be shocking. <laughs> that, that would be normal, right? Because he's an awesome cook. That would make sense. If we went to Giada De Laurentiis's awesome Italian kitchen place, whatever it's called, and we were like, dude, that was the best spaghetti I ever had in my life. That wouldn't be shocking. And so to a degree, it's fair to say, man, Russell Wilson threw for five touchdowns. He's really good. And I think that perspective is important. But the the frustrating thing, and I, I know that this is in Chris's point, and I know that everybody's feeling this, is that the Cowboys are good enough. That's the frustrating thing is that they are good enough to win these games. And they would if not for their own simple mistakes. And I think the the sort of tinier frustration, and we talked about this before earlier on this season, which this season already feels like it's 10 years old, but we talked about this. We were told, we were led to believe that all of these things would be different. And and that's the both frustrating and nervous-inducing, ner- nerve-wracking feeling is that we were lied to and we were led down the wrong path and that we are just in more of the same. And that's really, really, really not cool. Uh, moving on. Uh, Samantha on Twitter at Stiz, S-T-I-Z-0328 says, secondary and Kellen. Yeah, I mean, those are the top two concerns. I'm in total lockstep agreement with you guys. I mean, the secondary is, and again, more perspective is necessary. Russell Wilson, injuries, etc. But guess what? Patience wears thin when you're this close year in, year out, week in, week out, whatever the case may be, you have the talent, Cowboys, and so the excuses aren't going to work anymore. I know these are inordinate and extraordinary circumstances, but you are good enough. Uh, Loner on Twitter at Uba the Diplomat um, says, secondary offensive line. Now, I told you I wrote winners and losers. One of my biggest winners was Zach Martin. And it's really hard to have a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, be a winner. But the fact that Zach Martin just kicked out to right tackle ever so coolly and didn't even miss a beat is super amazing. I mean, he had never played right tackle before in the NFL and just shows up and dominates. I mean, that's I don't, I don't even know what that is. That's amazing that, that Zach Martin managed to do that. But this game, I mentioned that Tyler Biotish would come back. He came back because Terrence Steele got benched, and that sounds really bad, but Terrence Steele was playing his third game ever in the NFL after going undrafted and is a rookie. I mean, so that perspective is necessary. He has nothing to be ashamed of. But for the first time since the Chaz Green game, we saw the Cowboys go with their best five. And since they are so discombobulated along the offensive line, the Cowboys went with an offensive line of Brandon Knight at left tackle, Connor Williams at left guard, who did not have a great game, Tyler Biotish at center, Joe Looney kicked over to right guard. And since the Cowboys yanked Terrence Steele out of the game, they put Zach Martin at right tackle. It is very interesting that they felt that that was the best combination uh if Tyron Smith is healthy enough to play against Cleveland next week and fingers crossed because Miles Garrett is coming to town I wonder what the Cowboys do because they're clearly not afraid to have Zach Martin play at right tackle do they feel like it is a better combination in that hypothetical to go from left to right Tyron Connor Biotish Looney Zach or do they go Tyron Connor 
Biotish or Looney, who knows at this point, Zach, and then Brandon Knight on the opposite side, because Brandon Knight has played really well two games in, uh, certainly comparatively. Uh, but I think overall, Brandon Knight has been solid. But I, I don't know that I think the offensive line is a huge problem. I just think it's scary because of injuries. It's, you know, the offensive line isn't playing badly. They're, they're just, you know, they're playing to their best. But right now, their best isn't that great because of what they're working on. Tanner Ballard, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, t- again, on Twitter at Tanner Ballard says, for me, it's the simple mistakes. You expect to have some trouble with a make shift o-line and no depth in the secondary but what you don't expect is muffed kickoffs mixed extra points and countless drop passes from zeke that and our inability to defend the play action bootleg tanner's our mvp tanner is our mvp today because that point is fair i mean you you just can't do those things you can get cooked by russell wilson because guess what everybody gets cooked by russell wilson generally speaking nobody's mad at you for getting cooked by russell wilson what people are pissed off about is the fact that you are muffing these kickoffs and setting things up poorly that zeke is this guy who i mean you can talk about the running back contract whatever i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but that is dropping passes you look sloppy and and again inordinate circumstances but people are sick of you know the excuses at this point alex robert friedman on twitter at alex underscore friedman 31 says the refs very questionable calls and again i i'm not that guy i'm not going to complain about the officials i'm not going to say the cowboys were jobbed or anything but there were definitely some some questionable things i don't know how you know Zeke Elliott gets taken down by the neck and there's nothing to say about this um troy Aikman called it a clean tackle i love troy but kind of disagree with that uh if i'm if i'm being honest uh but let's move on cyclones slash white Sox fan on twitter at jmc culo uh that's c-u-l-l-o says i may be a minority but i thought daryl worley played a pretty damn good game today along with Diggs. i'm not like i'm not like scoffing at this take um i thought daryl worley had the penalty that was questionable on the jordan lewis sack other than that, I mean, he had the interception that wasn't because of the Jordan Lewis penalty himself. But other than that, I mean, I'll say this. I think Daryl Worley played okay for the expectations um, because the expectations are not high right now. And so I thought Daryl Worley played the way you would expect Daryl Worley to play, which I guess is sort of impressive um, and, and sort of worth mentioning. But overall, to a large degree, mostly concerning. Brian Rail uh, on Twitter, Brian Rail R-A-Y-L, says the defense, obviously. Can we go get a free agent or two to fill some gaps? I hear there is a good safety available. I, I don't – I mean – I am up against a wall. I, I really, I always think of the movie Employee of the Month where the, the manager's like, I am up against the wall. I I really, I have no clue. I mean, I really have no idea what the Cowboys plan on doing there because they're not getting Cheeto back for some time. Um, I mean, Trayvon's playing well, but he's a rookie. I mean, the Cowboys need help. And, and that help's not coming, you know, really anywhere right now. The Cowboys need some help bad or badly excuse me uh sam can on twitter at sam can superman says stagnant offense wilson in crunch time come on man i think the offense was definitely stagnant at times i i again i i continue to dak is so awesome i mean dak is really amazing the fact that the cowboys were even in this game that dak threw for what he did and, and was able to pull off what he did Dak is amazing, and yeah, he's being done no favors offensively by Kellen Moore, which is why we're all questioning Kellen Moore. You can hear my dog shake his collar. He's, he's pretty upset, too, uh, but you know, that's that's just, you know, that that is that is what it is. Everybody's saying defense, secondary, defense, secondary. Uh, that, is, that is really the concern, and I think that's the big takeaway here, is that defensively, from a secondary standpoint, the Cowboys, the special team stuff, for me, that is correctable, right? That, that you can technically correct that. That is true. You can fix that. I don't know how you fix the the secondary problem because you can't just fix not having talent. 
And so whether the Cowboys are willing to go down the Earl Thomas path remains to be seen. Uh, it seems like they're not. Uh, but this, you know, goodness, this this was and, – and the frustrating thing, again, at least the way I'm looking at this, is – it made sense for them to lose, right? So I don't know what we're all really upset about because it made sense that the Cowboys would lose this game, but it, it's the whole like, you know, they roped us all in and they made us think that they really could do this. They really could pull it off. And I think that's why people are, are so bothered. Um, I will say this. I am not in a vacuum. I am not as concerned as I was after the week one loss of the Rams because they looked completely lost there. But where I am more concerned is that some of these things are patterns. And it's no longer just, well, it was week one. Let's see, blah, blah, blah. There's now three weeks. There's now a routine. There's now, you know, this wasn't their first road game. There's now a lot of data. And so now a lot of these concerns are sizable and noteworthy, like like the Tony Pollard thing. I mean, that's that's not, that didn't happen in an isolated moment or a particular vacuum or whatever. That is continuing across multiple weeks and continually damaging the team and their potential and their ability to win football games in the NFL. And that's not a good thing. Um, I'm interested to see how the week unfolds for the Cowboys. I think we're all interested to see if Tyron Smith plays against the Browns. That's certainly going to go a long way uh, at determining whether they win that game or not. Obviously, the Browns won on Sunday against Washington, but the Browns are, are the Browns are over 500 for the first time since 2014. So I don't know that anybody's losing sleep this week over the Browns. But you know, for what it's worth, the last time the Browns visited AT&T Stadium, um, it it came down to a last second field goal. Shout out Brandon Wheaton. But uh, that about does it for our Cowboys post game episode here on the Ocho. I hope you enjoyed it. Look, it's going to be okay. We'll have you covered all week long at bloggingtheboys.com here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Girls talking boys coming later today. Make sure you subscribe to the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel as well. We'll have some videos and film reviews and recaps and all sorts of fun stuff. I'm RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at RJ Ochoa. And you can do me a huge favor and you can have the absolute best Monday of all time. You know why? Because you deserve it. We'll see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.